0: Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Would you do me a favor and would you turn in your Bible? Or you're there already, hopefully. Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to read some Bible, verses 40 through 56. Very common passage. It says, so it was. When Jesus returned, that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet, begged him to come to his house, for he had only a daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude thronged him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border or the hem of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, master, the multitudes throng and press against you. And you say, who touched me? That was, he had a little slickness in his voice. But Jesus said, somebody touched me. For I perceive power going out from me. Jesus, that was a clapback. And I'm gonna explain to you what that means in just a second. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all people the reason she touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her daughter, Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him and said, do not be afraid. Only believe she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one in except Peter, James, and John, and the father of the mother of the girl, the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep she is on, she is not dead but sleeping and they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead but he put them all outside took her by the hand and called them to, called saying little girl arise then her spirit returned to her and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat and her parents were astonished but he charged them to tell no one what had happened again in this third installment third part of hello, my name is Revival, I'm going to preach to you from this idea, this subject, girl, dad. I want you to write it down because there's going to be some practical things that will allow you to be Revival in the world that you live in. Father, we love you. And we thank you right now for this opportunity that we have. We've heard testimonies. We've seen your hand in such a beautiful way. And so, Father, today we pray, Father, that you would talk to us, that you would speak to us, open our minds, open our hearts, Lord God. Allow for us, Lord God, to be able to live what you called us to do. And Father, I pray that you would give me the words. John 3.30, let me decrease that you may increase. May this word, Lord God, be delivered as you gave it to me, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on one more time. Would you put your hands to Jesus one more time i i am a girl dad um i have a daughter my daughter's name is abigail christine Echeverria. she's our ace and abby if you know her she is a eight-year-old now trapped in, uh, uh she's actually a 25-year-old trapped in an eight-year-old body and she's been like that since she was like uh, born pretty much Um, I've shared with you the miracle of who my daughter is and what God has done in her life and how he literally saved her life. And we saw actually a miracle in her life, plus the gift of healing operate in her life where God closed three holes in her heart. Um, She was on penicillin for five years. And uh, after two years, because she didn't have a spleen in her body that was able to process all of the infection. And so after two years of being on penicillin, all of a sudden a spleen showed up in one of her scans and they did the test. And miraculously, a spleen was in her body and she no longer had to be on penicillin. I mean, my daughter is a miracle story, but she's crazy. Ramona, she's crazy. Listen to me. She is my, yeah, she's just different, man. She, yeah. Yeah. So, but, but the funny thing about my daughter is that my daughter will have these and some of y'all have uh, some of y'all have daughters And you know what it's like when they and the older you ain't even there yet, Nadia Though actually you are that the the daughter the, You were this the daughters when they get to this age of like and it started at eight years old And i've heard that it gets into the teenage years. They have these tantrums I thought she had a demon I was like Abby, you're dirty. You got Oreo chips all around, Oreo stuff all around your hand. Your hands are black. You're putting it everywhere, baby. You smell like you you, you smell, baby. Go take a shower. And just running around the house and just, I mean, and then I, I listen to me, I'm not playing with you. We don't do timeout in our house, kind of. We split. We're we're we're, we're a, a diverse family, meaning we do timeout and knockout. So we do a little bit of both of them. We're we're modern, y'all, but we still old school. So we do both of them. So I'm like, you know, my daughter's like, she's running everywhere. I don't want to take a shower. And I'm like, yo, just go in the shower. Like, I'm gonna put my hands on you, woman. She's like, okay. She gets in the shower. Yo, I can't even, my wife is somewhere around here. I promise you, she's in the shower, taking a shower, cope as she's taking a shower, I don't want to take a shower. Just can't stop screaming. She gets dry, gets dressed, comes out. <laughs> Walking down the hall, I'm like, yo, stop, bro. She's still like, I'm like, what do you, stop crying. I can't. I can't stop crying. I'm like, yo, Abby, stop, bro. Like, relax. I say, Abby, go go, go, lay down. Oh, my God. <laughs> World War III popped off in the I mean, she just begins to go crazy. I'm like, yo, what am I going to do? Like, yo, do we have like a deliverance service? Like, what? put worship on in the house. I don't even know. Brianna, come sing. Like, I don't even know. And all of a sudden, man, you know, about five minutes later, not even, bro, about three and a half minutes later, I just walked because I stopped hearing the screaming. And I walked by the room. Knocked out. Didn't wake up till the next day. The next day, she gets up. And as soon as I wake her up, hi daddy. Hi. Like oh daddy come and give hugs. <laughs> like bro, you <laughs> you made me question my salvation. Like I almost lost that John. And she just, "Oh my god, daddy, what are we going to do today?" I'm like And I noticed there's a difference between my daughter and the grace that she gives me compared to sometimes when me and my wife have strong conversations. I don't get no, hi, daddy, after. Some of y'all get in arguments with people in your life. And when the arguments happen, after the argument happened, even if you talked it out, you're just like, are you good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Not no, hey, daddy. I'm looking at this and I'm like, yo, children, they give this grace. That I mean, it's incredible where sometimes even though we're Christians and we love the Lord, we know how to hold on to stuff. That's why you don't talk to your uncle. And it wasn't you. It was it was your mom. She got in a fight with your uncle. That's her brother. But you better not talk to him. Don't you have them cousins over the house? You know what I mean? And just family. But we have a way sometimes of grace with us. It's a little limited in the way that we give grace to people where children, man, they're so open and so grace filled. I noticed that this is where we pick this story up with this guy named Jarius. I want you to understand who Jarius is. Jarius would carry the position of kind of what I carry. He was the pastor of the church, so he was in charge of the synagogue. He made sure that everything was running correctly, the correct scriptures were being read. Like he was just in charge of the church at that time. Jesus walks into this church on a Sabbath. And when he walks into church on a sabbath there's an individual who had a withered hand his hand was messed up he had he couldn't open his hand and so in this moment they try to test jesus and they're trying to accuse him and they're like jesus is it right for this man to be healed like on a sabbath are you what you gonna do and jesus turns to this man and he tells him your hand is healed be healed and all of a sudden this man look at the flick of the wrist like i mean he just his hand just his hand just opened up and he's healed in that moment jarius along with the influence that was around him turned to jesus and they said on the sabbath you shouldn't heal so rules and religion jumped way in front of the response and the healing that had hit this man and they said we don't care what happened as far as miraculous you got to get out of the church and they kicked jesus out of the church scripture says this very same jarius in in, in in john chapter 8 is the very same one that we see coming to jesus because he had a 12 year old daughter because he was a girl that And he had a 12-year-old daughter who was at the point of death. As we read in the scripture, spoiler alert, she actually dies. He comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I need you to help me. My daughter's 12 years old and she's about to die. Can you come and can you pray with her? The very same Jesus that he kicked out of the church, the very same Jesus that religion made him push him away, yet he comes to him. And I see a couple of things that I think are important for us. Number one is that, there is a grace that is afforded to us because Jesus didn't ignore him and say, bro, you kicked me out of my house, out of your church. I'm good, bro. Go ahead. You skied on that way. No, no, no. What he said was my actions speak louder than words. He says, show me, and he walked with this man to go to his daughter's healing. So number one, I want you to understand that there's a grace afforded to you that you don't deserve. And for some of us, we feel sometimes like we can't go to, even with the church, I mentioned this a few weeks ago where I was talking about how sometimes people look at church and as a pastor, I have to deal with this thought that when people mess up with God and people have issues with God or they sin against God, they, they smoke too much, they drank too much, they had sex, they did all of this stuff, and they're like, oh my God, God, you hate me, that they will translate that and they will look at me and look at their church and leaders the same way and they'll look at us as if we're God so meaning I messed up and I sinned I can't talk to you because I messed up with your boss my name is Chino my name is not pastor my name is Chino I'm not the title I am the individual so regardless of how you messed up with God yo we can still work this thing out and we can still walk together Don't feel like I can't go to church because I messed up. I can't go back to the church because, man, I messed up with God. Yo, this is an emergency room. This is a place where you can come with your bleeding, with your wounds, with your hurts, with your pains, with your sins. We're not intimidated by that. The reason we're not intimidated by that is because I was eight years old as a gang member. I was in jail for five years of my life. I've been to jail 13 different times. I found Jesus in a jail cell. I started a Bible study in a jail cell way before I started a church. And God saved me in the dirt ugliest, nastiest place. My life was a mess. I didn't have it all. I didn't get married and become like this holy man of God. My life was an absolute disaster, but it was Jesus who saved me. I've been there. I might not been at the there that you're at, but man, we've been on similar blocks. And so here it is that sometimes we look at people and we're just like, God is never going to extend grace to me. But man, no matter how many times you kick them out of your relationship, Doesn't matter how many, the business deal that you made that you know you shouldn't have and you kicked them out of that. You know how we do sometimes where we're about to do stuff and we're like, well, Jesus, do me a favor. You stay right here for just a second. I got this here. The violent act that happened on the other side of Jesus, you stay there. You know, what's beautiful is that Jesus still has his arms wide open for us. His grace exceeds every one of our sins. Is this a license to sin? You dumb. Stop. This isn't a license to sin. This is just to show you that he loves you enough to bring you as you are. I love you enough not to leave you where you are, but the door is wide open. But that's good for some of us in this room. But for others in this room, we need to look at what Jesus must have felt. Because could you imagine that the very same, and listen to me, the very same grace that you're given is the very same grace that you have to give. Because there's people that have kicked you out of the family dinners, kicked you out of there. You told your cousin 35 times to stop dating her or I told you you told your cousin to go get a job and you've given him you paid the phone bill a few times and every time he tells you your uncle your dad your mom whoever it is your brother and every time I promise I just need ten dollars just give me ten dollars and you've given him at this point if you kept count you don't even know how much he owes you but there's there's a moment in humanity right who we are that we're like yo, I'm gonna cut this person off I'm I'm done I'm, nah. And listen to me. That is a tricky line. One that I'm not trying to wave off, nor am I trying to minimize what people have done to you. Nor am I trying to minimize the fact that the Bible says that Abraham told Lot where do you want to go you go that way and I go this way and there are times that those things happen especially if there's violent behavior especially if it needs to be scripture says that Paul and Barnabas had no small dispute one went and they started a church the other one went and started a church and it was fine they came back together they still did ministry but they wasn't kiki and laughing all the time so please understand I'm not trying to minimize what happened nor am I trying to erase the line let people abuse you let people steal from you let people manipulate you no but there needs to be a grace that's afforded to them even if if it's in your own heart that when you think about them and you see them at a grocery store that you're not like oh let me go this way dang it That she go I don't want to see it or that you're telling your kids not to talk to their kids there is a grace when people kick you out of their life that if they come back and they're like hey man I'm in man I'm messed up I need help please that there's a revival inside of you that is afforded for them that there is a grace inside of you that is for them that might not mean that might not mean another ten dollar bill that might not be another rent payment yo that might not be that they can stay in your basement for another month but (laughs) but there is a grace that needs to be inside of you jarius comes to jesus and jesus is like where's she at you kick me out of church we ain't kicking you out of church if somebody kicks you out of church let me know because i'm gonna kick them out of church you kick me out of church but let's go to your daughter and let's go. And Jesus begins to walk on the way to walking. Scripture says that we're introduced um, to this woman with the issue of blood and this woman with the issue of blood. I, you know, I don't want to be the, the, And I've done this where I've explained and I've taught about how you you are not your issues, your identity. Um, and I think uh, David Higgins did an incredible job of kind of explaining to us our authority and who we are, our identity as children of God. It was stripped in the garden. It was Jesus who came back and, was able to bind the strong man and binding the strong man through his blood, a lot of deep talk, he was able to get back the power. Scripture says, Matthew 28, 18, all power and authority has been given to me and then he gave it to us. So now our authority, our identity is found in Jesus. We are not the mistakes that we made. Because you've done drugs doesn't mean you are a drug addict. Because you had sexual sin doesn't mean that you are a sexual addict. Do not take that identity on because when you do, you will begin to live in that identity and it's not who you are. So I don't want to go into that whole thing, but what I want to do is how many times do we filter God through our issues let me explain what that means I've had plenty of times that I've told God Lord I'm applying for this job and you've taken anointing oil and there's a weird little spot there you did it under the table while you were there you took the oil and f- right now in the what'd you say I said thank you so much for this opportunity sir and you and you anointed that thing you know what I mean But then three months into it, you were like, oh, my God, I hate this freaking job, man. I hate everybody here. I can't stand it. And you didn't show up to that job. And it wasn't that you quit. You just left. And that happened three or four times. And then what happens, though, is that we begin to filter God through those issues. Because you made that mistake, now all of a sudden you begin to filter God. And this is what the prayer looks like. Lord, just give me anything. Lord, if you just give me I'll just be grateful. Just give me the smallest. I just, man, let me cut grass. I don't, that's not small, y'all. That's a big deal. I love you. If you are a yard man, we love you. <laughs> we need y'all. But Lord, let me do whatever. And we begin to filter. The same thing happens in relationships. You prayed for a spouse. You prayed for a boyfriend, girlfriend. And you f- mess it up sometimes. You self-sabotage and break that relationship you begin to push people away, your insecurities, your rejection issues. You're like, man, I don't I, before they dump me, I'm gonna dump them. And then there comes a moment where we come to God and we're like, Lord, just give me anybody, cross-side, buck tooth. I mean, just Lord, just give me. Just I just need, I wanna read my Bible with somebody, Lord. I just wanna, I just wanna pray. I just wanna hold hands and Father, we just come before you and I just give me anything and we begin to filter God isn't it beautiful that the prodigal son who had messed up stole everything from his father or took everything from his father squandered it with perilous living with prodigal living he gave it to prostitutes he lord knows what he did but yet the moment this wasn't a real person by the way this was a story that Jesus was illustrating to show you the love of the father for you that when the son came with a letter saying I'm sorry I messed up that he said man I don't care about that letter I need you to give me the finest robe I need sandals on his feet identity i need him to be understand that he's royalty and i want authority to go back on him i want you to put the signet ring back on him i don't care the mistake that you've made i'm looking to you as my son we begin to filter god thank god that he never listens to you some of y'all were praying and asking god for the small things and you're like yo how did this happen how did i end up with that bad chick that's in the back right now lord i just said give me anything i want to read my bible and have guilt-free sex and god gave me a bad one Because God doesn't listen to our filters. This woman with the issue of blood. Scripture says that she has been dealing with this issue for 12 years. 12 years. And year after year, she spends all of her livelihood. Scripture says that she took all her money and she tried to go to all the physicians. For some of us, man, I can't have 12 minutes of a headache. I begin to think, did you forsake me, Lord? Do you hate me? I get sick, and as a man, I'm the one that I want to be. I feel like, God, you left me. Why am I feeling like this? Baby, don't leave the room. Hold my hand. When she gets sick, I need her to put on a mask. I need to stay out the room and stay in the room. Don't come out the room no more. If she's sick, I'm like, don't breathe on it. Hey, babe, over there. But when I'm sick, baby, get sick with me. I just, you don't love me. You're not here suffer with me no don't do it 12 years of suffering spent everything that she had i uh i am of cuban descent and uh i i go back to visit my family and and jason jason peoples can attest to this if you want after service and you need some validation to see if it's real Um, In Cuba, they're going through one of the worst times that we have ever seen. And it's not something that they're going through right now or something that has culminated. It's something that has existed for um, decades now. And we're talking about hospitals right now that don't have air conditioner. They don't have food like your family has to come bring you food like um, people are laying out in the porches in hospitals. Um, When I went to go see my sister where she was living at, there wasn't electricity at a certain point. They would cut off the electricity. Not only that, but there wasn't running water. So what we would have to do is we would have to wait for this man with the truck. And he would come with these big barrels and of, of 10, 20 gallons of water. No, it's usually like 5, 10 gallons. These big barrels and you pay and then he puts the water so that you can clean dishes, so that you can flush your, your, your necessities when you use the bathroom for you to take showers. Like, I mean, the water's not normal there. And if you as a person who comes from the United States will even think about drinking the tap water, you're going to regret it <clears throat> for a long time. So what? there is no tap water. So what ends up happening is that i start to do this and as i was thinking about it i'm like man i can go back to my country to the united states of america and yo i'll 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 be brushing my teeth and turn the water on (laughs) hey babe you know i was thinking the other day and leave the water running there's people that the water they begin to walk for miles not only to get the water but they walk to places where together they gather and they're praying, Father, we pray today that you would be able to give us water, Lord. Help us as a family today, Lord, to be able to bless us with food. There's even people, I guarantee you, in our own community, which I'm so grateful for, Rebecca, Hive, the entire team that came out last Wednesday. We got together and she brought about 25 of her employees. They gave the church some money. We got some ham and cheese sandwiches. We got some chips and we got some Oreos. Greater church, we did this together and we were able to go to the trailer park that right down here where there's 650 trailers and we were able to give 400 different packages 450 packages to everybody that was inside of that trailer park because there's kids that since they don't go to school they don't get any lunch or breakfast and so it's until they come back and eat dinner that they don't have anyway and man I'm so grateful for you Rebecca thank you that together we were able to do that and feed so many people and I love you Ashley was there too I see you're not gonna run hi Kaylee Ashley was there too And so we were able to do, and I know that there were some other people that that were with us walking around and passing out the food. But there's something about the moment where you're stripped of everything. This woman gave everything that she could and she still couldn't get the healing. Something happens when you don't have anything to hold on to. And in those moments, you think that God, you think that you were broken so bad and that she left you or he left you. And it was for no reason because God hated you. What he was doing was he was removing the crutch because he wanted you to depend on him. You're wondering why that job left you that you had for so long. You were making, it was structured and everything was good. You were depending on the Benjamins way too much than you were on the father. And you were standing there holding on to something and you felt like it was your crutch where God will all of a sudden leave it. And put you in a space where you begin to depend on him. There's something about somebody praying for breakthrough because they need water as opposed to somebody who is just wasting water. When there is this desperation inside of you, you begin to cling to God way more than you ever have. You only know that he's a provider when you're broke. You only know he's a healer when you're sick. It's in these moments that you begin to see God in a brand new light, but there has to be breakthrough. That's why I feel like this country sometimes, it isn't heading the right way because we, we, got, we got too much. We, we got too much. And when you got too much, it's hard for you to need anything. There's people in other countries right now that all they have is a piece of Bible, a piece, and they're looking at a page And they're singing songs about that page. They're writing entire journals and devotionals on that page. They're feeding their family where they sit down with this page. And they're going letter by letter. Could you imagine you having a Bible and you have it in so many different versions? I mean, and and sometimes we don't even look at this thing. But it's the moment when it's not there that it becomes a necessity. This woman had paid everything and she couldn't get this. And she says, I got one more chance. Somebody say "One one more chance. Scripture says that she pushes through the crowd. She pushes through the religion. She pushes through the elite. She pushes through the people that told her that she'll never be healed. At this point, you have to understand religiously where she was at because of the issue that she had, she couldn't even be with her family because if she went with her family, her and her family would not be able to go to church because if you had an issue of blood, the very seat that you sat on, this was the law, the very seat that you sat on, if I sat on that church, I would be unclean and for seven days, I wouldn't be able to even pray to God. This was what religion did to these people and so here it is that this woman she has been ostracized doesn't have a job doesn't have anything her very life is leaving from her she has a period for 12 years where she is constantly bleeding with a flow of blood and this woman says i'm going to push through everything that tells me that i can't do this thing and scripture says that all she does another filter by the way i'm not going to touch him i don't i can't talk to him he's not going to help me he's not going to do anything all i need to do is just touch the hem of his garment the very bottom of his garment that if i touch just that little bit i know that i'm I'm going to be okay. I can't touch him. I can't get a better job. I can't get better ideas. I just need, just give me a little bit, God. Just give me the crumbs that fall off the master's table. I just, just give me anything. Scripture says that she touches the hem of his garment and it immediately, a 12-year issues, tons of money. I don't know what she had, how much money she had, but all of the things that she spent in just a moment, Scripture says, and immediately her blood stopped up. If your heart is beating, it's way too early to give up. If your heart is beating, it's way too early to give up on that marriage. It's way too early to give up on that child. I know he's crazy. Don't give up on him. I know she's crazy. Don't give up on her. I know that you've been praying and you haven't seen nothing. Just trust and believe. It's just in one moment. Touching a piece of cloth took 12 years of an issue of blood out of her life. Touching a cloth? A robe that you have to understand this is something that they didn't have what we have now with all these beautiful things this is walking through the Palestinian cobblestone where there's things that animals do on the ground poop and pee and all this and I mean just and people spitting and walking and he's just walking with it and it's just dirty and nasty and this woman touched that very common thing and her entire life was changed what men and people cannot accomplish all of a sudden because it was attached to Jesus what happens with you when you get attached to Jesus? What happens is that you begin to say, hello, my name is Revival. If God can heal a woman of 12 years of an issue and all it was was a piece of cloth that was attached to him, how much more he could he do with you, with your ideas, with your creativity, with your gifts, with your talents, with your mind, the way that you think? How much more can God use you to bring healing to people that think, I've spent everything and I don't got nothing else to give? But I just met me a revival. Hello, my name is Revival. I met me a revival and I got saved. My life got changed. I got healed. I got on my knees and I put my hands on somebody's lap and I said, in Jesus' name, open up your eyes. And they open up their eyes because my name is Revival. This woman begins to speak. This woman touches him and immediately she gets healed. Jesus turns around and Jesus says, yo, who touched me? Who, who touched me? And Peter's slick. (laughs) Bro, all these people around you, Chino? I mean, Jesus? I'm not, I'm not Jesus at all. I'm not, I feel like I'm more Peter. I'd have been like, Jesus, man, bro, you tripping, man. Like, who touched you? Bro, you see all these people? He would have ripped me out the Bible. And Chino no, existed no more. (laughs) It would have been gone. The apostle, it wasn't. (laughs) But Jesus... Jesus turns and he says, Man, who, who touched me? And what's crazy is, I, I, and, and I want to wrap this thing up, is that I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Because what Jesus said, I think, is a clear indictment to the church of 2023. Because what Jesus says, there's people all around me and they're thronging against me. They're pushing against me and I'm feeling everything, but nobody touched me. Touched me. Understand what Jesus is saying here now. He turns to Peter and Peter's like, Who? Jesus, all these people? And Jesus says to him, I know somebody touched me because power went out of me. Peter, you've been rubbing up on me but there's no power that went from me. The apostles were around me, but there's no power that went out of me. There's people all around me, but there's no power that went out of me. So it was a clack back. Jesus was like, yeah, I know that all these people around me, but none of them got power out of me. Could it be that we sit in churches sometimes and we raise our hands and we sing these songs and, but there's just no power that we're pulling out of Jesus. Could it be that it's important? Could it be that it's important enough to Jesus that He actually realizes and recognizes when power is coming out of you? When you get your hands on your knees and you look at somebody and you say, "Open your eyes in Jesus' name," when you begin to draw the power out of Jesus, you get His attention. When you start to walk next to that person in the cubicle and say, "Man, I don't know, I don't know what happened, but I feel like this is what the Lord is saying for your life," and all of a sudden that person is like, "Bro, how did you know that? Why did you say that to me?" Because all of a sudden now you touch Jesus. You touched Jesus. Jesus is sitting there and he, this woman is, I'm caught now because he knows something happened and she comes up, she pushes through the crowd and she begins to give her testimony. That's the number one tool that you have an, as an arsenal in your revival toolkit is your story, what God has done for you. The things, that, and it doesn't matter if it was, I woke, I walked through a divorce of my parents and it shaped me and it messed me up, but then I found Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's, I was eight years old and I joined a gang and I was in prison and then I found Jesus. The end story is what changes people's lives, which is I found Jesus. I touched Jesus. The power that went out of him, it didn't heal my blood. It was the blood that was applied with me that now I have eternity to spend with him. I don't have to go to hell because I met Jesus. I touched Jesus. That power is the strongest that has ever existed. This woman gives this testimony and says it. And Jesus changes the narrative. Girl, dad. The woman with the issue of blood. Scripture says that he turns to her and he says, daughter, you're not an issue anymore. Daughter, your faith has made you well. You are now my daughter. And I am a girl, dad. Scripture. I mean, it's beautiful the way it happens. that, That as she's sitting there and what seems like something just... Heartbreaking because we forgot about Jarius, whose daughter is about to die and Jesus is on his way to go heal his daughter And while he's standing there somebody from his house comes and says hey, don't bother the master anymore. She's dead I have an eight-year-old daughter and The other day we were in church. It was probably about a few weeks ago and while we were in church, uh my my we had some friends in from miami florida that were hanging out with us they're living in orlando now they had some friends and, and abby we didn't know where abby was and we were like lydia tells spoke to somebody and say hey where's abby and her brother says oh she's over here in the car and then she goes to the car and they're like oh she's over there in this place and then when she goes to the people like oh we saw her in the playground she was by herself out in the playground and my wife is sitting there and she's just like walking around. She's like, Where's Abby? I'm like, Levi got her. And she goes, I just talked to Levi. And Levi said she was in the car. She wasn't in the car. They said she was in the playground. And so now I'm walking around. I'm like, You know, I'm a little bit more faith filled. <laughs> Love the Lord. It's more of kind of stupid, like it didn't hit me. And then I'm like, Yo, where's. And then I asked Levi, I said, Yo, where's. Where am I? Hey, dad, listen to I said, Stop. I, if you were here at the marriage group on Sunday, you understand that I am direct, I don't want details. Tell me exactly what i want to hear yes or no don't answer me and that has caused many of intense conversations between me and my wife i don't want the details just say it and so i'm like just do you know what she, no i don't and so now i'm starting to freak out because i'm like yo where's my daughter and everything starts going through your mind it's like yo somebody grabbed my daughter Nah, i'm in church bro there's no way that could happen like yo w- w- hold on but they said she was at the playground by herself what if somebody from the i don't what the heck is going on and my heart starts beating, and I just remember that I start walking, and then I go, okay, I'm gonna start the process myself. And I said, I started walking, and I'm walking as I start walking towards the, the parking lot. Abby comes out of a van, a friend's van, by the way. Let <laughs> me <laughs> explain that. <laughs> free candy. No, no, free candy. <laughs> Abby comes out of Abby, Abby comes out of my friend's van and and they come out and they're like, hey, we have Abby. And they were playing a prank on us, right? Just a prank, the prank. And so I'm like, because they saw the way that I looked, bro, I was like, you could see it terrified of me. I'm just like, oh my God, like, here's the thing. When I see my daughter, immediately, it was like a, oh my God, thank God. Like it was just everything, just the whole pressure like went away. I couldn't imagine if while I was looking for my daughter, somebody would have came to me and said, hey, man, your daughter's dead. I mean, I can't imagine what I would have felt like if I'm like, what? What did, what? Like it would have, some of you feel that right now, how it would have broke me. What's crazy is that God feels that every day. There's so many people that are far from him, broken, dead, lost. And all it takes is for somebody not to say that's the way that it is, but for them to get on their knees and say, In Jesus' name, open your eyes. For them to look at a young child that's in a bed, paralyzed, and be able to say, In Jesus' name, legs work. Your daughter's dead, Jarius. And Jesus turns to him and he says something that I want to repeat to you. Don't be afraid. Just believe she will be made well. Listen to these words because I want you to apply them as needed. Don't be afraid just believe. She will be made well. He will be made well. It will be made well. Jesus says, your daughter will be healed. And he begins to walk with Jairus. All this commotion, and he still walk. I right, come on, Jairus, we're going to go. I can't imagine what that conversation was like. Or in Jairus's mind, what he's thinking to us, I'm with Jesus, but my daughter's dead. But he says that she, okay, I don't know. You know what I mean? And just that as Christians, that's what I think. I have all the faith in the world. But sometimes I'll be sitting there and it's just a, a big old circle that I'm just sitting there. But here's the, the trick. is keep walking with Jesus. Go in your circle. Just keep walking with Jesus. I got you. Lord, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I know you're going to do it. I, I know you're going to do it. But but how? Like, but, but they said this. Man, it looks, I, it's not going to help dang, what am I going to do on the other side of this? I, man, I messed up. Why did this happen to me? But you know what, Jesus, come on, let's go. I know that you got me. Let's go. We're going to keep walking through this thing. We're going to figure somewhere along the line, you begin to walk in a straight line and you begin to walk to your miracle instead of walking around in a circle, but you got to walk with Jesus. Right. Jesus gets there and he does three things. And I'm going to close with this three things that he does. I want you to write this down because I want you to have practical handles on what you need to do with this message and how you're going to live this message out. Here we go. Three things. Number 1, when he gets there, everybody is sitting there and they're all talking about the girl being dead. And Jesus sits there and he goes countercultural to it and he says, "She's not dead, she's just asleep." And people ridicule her. Understand this. People are going to ridicule you. The very enemy In your mind, the in-a-me, inside of me, the inner me is going to begin to kill you and kill the dream and what you're doing and begin to tell you you're dumb. You're looking at it as alive and it's sleeping when in reality it's dead. No, it's not dead. It's lying dormant because if you would have saw a 19-year-old Chino, you would have said, that kid is dead. I wasn't dead. I was lying dormant. I just needed the word to come. Scripture says that he gets there. Number one, When everybody's there, he says, all y'all get out. Everybody say, all y'all get out. All 'all All y'all. I just Everybody out. Jesus says that he kicks everybody out. There's some phone numbers that you got to delete. There's some people that you got to start blocking on Facebook, Instagram, MySpace, Thread, Twitter, whatever you're on. There there are some movies. I'm not being legalistic. Y'all do your thing. But there's some movies that you're probably going to stop looking at. There's some things that you got to kick out your life. You got to get some of your time back. You got to get some of your peace back. There's some people in your life that all you keep doing is spending. Your marriage is suffering because you're constantly trying to help them. You got to say, hey, man, I got to get y'all out of the house. The house is the most intimate place. The house is a place where you find resting." The house is the place where you're able to live in peace and where you have people in. And sometimes you got to get some of those things out of your house. Some of y'all been struggling with lust. You've been struggling with fornication. You've been struggling with pornography. Can I give you just a quick tip? I got to move because we got to finish. Stop putting and charging your phone in your room. Just charge it in the living room. Just try it. Keep your laptops. Keep all your electronics over there. Just try it. Just see what happens. Just try it tonight. And watch happens, stop looking at your phone a minute before you go to bed. And scrolling, I just need to scroll through it. Just stop for a minute. I did it last night, I slept so good. One hour, I just waited one hour before I went to bed and I, I'm not looking at Instagram, I'm not looking at anything. If it's there, I'll see it tomorrow, or not. I, who cares, it's none of my business. I don't care what kind of car you bought. I don't care the shoes that you got or the sale that you've given that's not really a sale, you're just trying to trick me. <laughs> I don't care. So number one, kick people out. Things out. Get rid of some stuff grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. There are some things that you can do, and some of the things that you do, start taking some stuff out, but then stop taking some stuff out and start bringing some things in. Scripture says that he brought Peter, James, and John into the house with him along with the kid, with the girl's mother and father. And so here it is. Jesus is with five individuals and he only allows for them to come in. You need some Peter, James, and Johns in your life to be able to walk into this next season of your life. You need to have some people that are going to hold you accountable but they're not just going to hold you accountable and tell you how much of an idiot you are but they're going to love you enough to tell you how much of an idiot you are but that they're also going to grab your hand and walk through the season with you even though you screwed it up and you messed it up. It doesn't matter. Come on, we're going to walk through this thing together. You need to get some people. That's why it was so important that here on Friday night we sang some, we did some salsa, and we were learning. We did check it out. Watch this. What was it? Fast, slow, right? Fast, fast, slow. Fast, fast, slow. Fast, fast, slow. Fast, fast. Hey, watch this. Fast, fast, slow. Hey, fast, fast, slow. Fast, fast, slow. And we did that. And then we did the Lydia choked me. We did the thing around the neck. But why did we do that? Not because we just wanted another thing to do, but because we wanted people to be in each other's lives. And that's why we have G-groups. G-groups that are going to start in September is all about you having people in your life that you can be real with and bring people on the journey with. you. We had the married couples that were here. We laughed. We ate tacos. Then we got a word. We worshiped. I mean, it was a fun night. But these G-groups that we do in this church, it's all about you having people in your life. You can't keep doing life alone. You can't keep going into these situations. Your dream is way too big for you to accomplish it on your own. That thing that God put in your heart, it's way too big for you. I don't want to tell nobody. It's like Joseph with his dreams. Bro, stop. That was a totally different world. God has people in your life. Joseph would have never accomplished his dream without his brothers. Though they threw him in a pit, they needed their brothers. Joseph needed Potiphar's wife because she threw him in prison. As bad as it was, he needed her. Joseph needed the cupbearer. He needed the guy who was the, the chef. He needed those guys. He also needed the Pharaoh to make him second in command. You need people. Stop letting a preacher come. You can't tell nobody your dreams. That's a great preaching point, where the B5 or B7 is he- it. I have none of that crap. You can tell people your dreams. You just gotta tell Peter, Paul, Peter, James, and John. You can't be telling everybody else, but you gotta have your Peter, your James, and your John. You gotta have somebody that you can be like, hey man, here's what the Lord has shown me. You gotta have that in your life. So, number one, you got to kick some people out. Number two, that's easy for some of y'all. Number three, this is where it gets hot. Number two, bringing people in. I don't like that. I like to do it on my own. I had to fend for myself. And now, let's go. I got it on my own. No, you don't, man. You've been in the same cycle. Get people in your life. And then number three, you got to reach out to God. Scripture says that Jesus looks down. He kicks everybody out. He brings everybody in. And all of a sudden, he looks at this girl i want to read this uh if you could bring uh sunshine you back there bring it's the last it's the last verse um do not weep she is not dead but sleeping little girl and then he said and then he said do not weep she is not dead but sleeping and they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead but he put them all outside and then watch this and then he he took her by the hand he took a dead thing by the hand number one religiously the law remember if a woman has an issue of blood you can't even sit on the same chair even less a dead thing Rabbis especially were not supposed to touch a dead thing. God was not supposed to save you from that suicide. God was not supposed to save you from that prison sentence. God was not supposed to save you from that murder. God was not supposed to save you from that depression or the anxiety, but he loves to touch dead things. Mm. Scripture said that he grabbed a hand and as he grabs her hand, he says, little girl arise and her spirit returned to her. Today, some of us, we're on two sides of this coin. Number one, we're on one side where we're dead. And we feel like, man, our dreams, our hopes, everything has just been lying there. We've been praying to Jesus to come help us, and it feels like he got interrupted, and our dream died. We died. Our hopes died. And some of us are sitting there, and we're that little girl paralyzed. I don't know where I'm going tomorrow. I don't know what my destiny, I don't know what it's going to, I'm dead inside, Gino. There's a Jesus that just wants to stretch forward and grab your hand. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on-